Oh, hey, friends. This is Cinema 5000. I'm Mallory, your host, here to talk to you about films I have recently seen and hopefully enjoyed. Right now, I am currently at 4,921 films seen, so that means 79 movies until I hit 5,000. And I'm at a pretty good pace right now, but I do have to give you the heads up that in the next couple weeks or so, my life is going to get kind of busy, as in me going on vacation and maybe not prioritizing watching movies. But for now, I'm going to leave you with some movies I have recently seen and um, a heads up as well. Uh, there will be a special episode hopefully coming for you on Labor Day weekend. Um, and it's going to be not a log episode where I discuss movies I've seen, but rather a commentary track. <laughs> uh, if you want to figure out what the movie is, I have already dropped some hints on the Cinema 5K Twitter, which is the handle Cinema 5K. Um, and yeah, keep your eyes peeled and ears open, and that will be coming your way uh, for Labor Day. Labor Day 2022. Um, all right, let's get into the movies I've seen. <laughs> uh, around a week ago, I went ahead and uh, checked off a box of a movie I have never seen that I have been meaning to watch for a very long time. A horror film, a part of a very popular series, franchise, whatever you want to call it. Um, the Final Destination, as in the fourth Final Destination movie, uh, from 2009, directed by David R. Ellis. The tagline is, rest in pieces. After a young man's premonition of a deadly race car crash helps save the li lives of his peers, death sets out to collect those who evaded their end. So, uh, gonna be real quick on this one. It's not a very entertaining. It's kind of boring. The deaths and kills aren't so very interesting. Um, the cast is very bad. Very not good. <laughs> Scripting, not interesting. It does have some uh, familiar faces, specifically. Mike Kelty Williamson is in the film. He doesn't have much to do. And then Nick Zano, if you know who he is, um, and if you don't, don't worry about it. Um, but there's nobody interesting in this movie as far as the cast. The scripting is bad. The characters are not drawn well. And like I said, the kills aren't good. So for a Final Destination movie, yeah, it's uh, not worth your time. I think it's pretty safe to say that it is, the, that is, it is the, indeed the worst film in the Final Destination franchise. Um, I think the Final Destination 5 movie was a little bit better than this one. I saw that one a number of years ago and just somehow never saw this film, the fourth film, The Final Destination from 2009. Um, but that's all I have to think about it because, wow, it was really boring and not so great. And here's another movie I didn't enjoy so much. The uh, 1968 film directed by Brian De Palma called Murder a la Mod. Sort of like Murder a la Mode, but no, it's a la Mod. Quote, as the uh, tagline goes... A lost horror film from Brian De Palma. Naive young Karen wants to wants to help her struggling amateur filmmaker boyfriend Christopher raise enough money so he can divorce his wife. Meanwhile, jolly sickle prankster Otto stalks the building where Christopher is shooting a low-budget-grade mature movie in order to keep himself afloat. So this movie has like some ideas when it comes to uh, women being pursued and other kinds of horror stuff, and uh, I found this all pretty boring. Like, it's one of those movies that's, like, barely 80 minutes long. It's 80 minutes, to be exact. Um, and just feels too long, because it's not very interesting. Um, in the cast, um, 
William Finley, who you might know from De Palma's film, um, The Phantom of the Paradise, he plays Otto. He's a creepy dude, and <laughs> I uh, I just randomly got this movie from Netflix because I was just like, well, it's early De Palma, so it might be interesting. And I think the way it's shot is interesting. It's, I mean, a low-budget movie from the 60s, and it's going for that sort of youth angle where the youths are being, you know, pursued and maybe meeting some unfortunate ends. But I can't recommend the film at all. It's just, it's very scattershot, very weird, and it's not really disturbing, but it tries to be, and... It just seems kind of like a mess, and that's the way, you know, some filmmakers' first films kind of should be, because then they learn from their mistakes, and maybe they're just getting some ideas out there. Maybe their budgets were compromised as far as the film they wanted to make. You know, it's okay that this isn't a great film, because obviously Brian De Palma went on to much better stuff, for better or worse. Um, so I don't, yeah, I don't recommend Murder All Mode, um, but you can... Find this on some streaming services. I believe it's on Tubi. I actually got it on a DVD from Netflix and just randomly was like, okay, I guess this is the movie coming to my inbox. <laughs> inbox? Mailbox? Not inbox. Um, but uh, yeah, it's also in black and white and it's called Murder a la Mod because like obviously the late 1960s, you know, mod use and stuff like that, this sort of look. But yeah, nothing really to write home about on that one, unfortunately. Something much, much, much more interesting was a movie I have had on Blu-ray for a number of years. Um, locally, there is a record and movie shop, cards, books, whatever, um, called Bull Moose. And Bull Moose um, is a New England chain of stores, and they're really good for online shopping if you're looking for something obscure. And they have these, like, grab bags that you can get, and then they used to sell single discs for, like, maybe a dollar or two dollars on Blu-ray or DVD. And I know a number of years ago, I think I got this as a single Blu-ray, um, this movie, because I was just like, well, it's only $2. That's cheaper than trying to rent it. And plus it's going to be a Blu-ray, so it's going to be good quality. But the movie in question that I ended up watching that I had bought for possibly $1.97 many, many years ago from Bull Moose is the 2010, excuse me, 2010 film Burlesque. Directed by Stephen Anton, the tagline is, it takes a legend, dot, 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 to make a star. The burlesque lounge has its best days behind it. Tess, played by Cher, a retired dancer and owner of the venue, struggles to keep the aging theater alive, facing all kinds of financial and artistic challenges. With the lounge's troop members becoming increasingly distracted by personal problems and a threat to coming from the lounge and a threat coming from a wealthy businessman's quest to buy the spot from Tess, the good fortune seems to have abandoned the club altogether. Meanwhile, the life of Allie, played by Christina Aguilera, a small-town girl from Iowa, is about to change dramatically. Hired by Tess as a waitress at the lounge, Allie escapes a hollow past and quickly falls in love with the art of burlesque. Backed by a newfound friend amongst the theater's crew, she manages to fulfill her dreams of being on stage herself. Things take a dramatic turn, though, when Allie's big voice makes her become the main attraction of the venue. So, burlesque. <laughs> burlesque. Uh, as I said, it stars Cher and Christina Aguilera. Um, yeah, it's, it's a bit of a mishmash, a bit campy, a bit ridiculous. It's a movie that... Um, if you know anything about Christina Aguilera's co career, like, she really hit it big in, like, the late 90s, early 2000s, and, you know, she's a powerful, wonderful singer, you know, 
you can't say anything about her singing because it's all there. Like, she puts it all out there. She does not hold back. And Cher is Cher. Cher is a musical icon. So why burlesque? Why this movie? Well, <laughs> it seems about five years too late in Christina Aguilera's career. And, I mean, I'm watching this in, like, 2022. And um, it all feels so, so dated. But what makes burlesque so entertaining is that it really it really commits to the bit. Like, unfortunately, the cinematography doesn't do a great job of really highlighting what the club looks like. It seems kind of dark. Um, but for me, this movie was, like, totally worth watching. <laughs> Which is so weird to say because it just, like, is something I had and it was just kind of like, well, I guess, like, one day I'll watch Burlesque. But I found it really entertaining and really captivating. Um, there's some very good d- dance numbers um, and most of the dancers in the club are lip syncing until Christina Aguilera, like, sings that one moment, and then it's just, like, the world stops, and she sings this song when the music dies out, and they're not able to lip sync, and everybody's just like, how come you didn't tell us you could sing? And she's just like, we're not here to sing, nobody would have known, and it's like, once she does that singing moment, everything about the performance angle of what the club is, like, goes away. So then it just becomes about singing and it's not about dancing anymore, which is so weird. But nobody's paying attention to that detail in this movie. Like, you're just looking for the, you know, the hot, fun action, the, like, little bits of romance. And um, it may or may not work. And that's not the point of burlesque. Burlesque is just, like, about really laying it out all out on the floor and being ridiculous. And that kind of, you know, not really rags to riches in Allie's, I mean, not, well, Cher's case, but rags to riches in Allie's case because she's just a small town girl. And I think the chemistry between Christina Aguilera and Cher is, like, the most important thing about this movie. And it works. Like, you believe them playing off of each other. Cher doesn't, like, have a lot of things to do in this movie that you don't think Cher can do. Like, Cher is, like, amazing and Moonstruck and really good in stuff like Silkwood. Um, Like, Cher is fun. Like, but she's just, she's just playing Cher here. It's just, like... This is just a version of Cher herself. Um, I think Christina Aguilera is actually good at this. Um, <laughs> the cast also includes the likes of Peter Gallagher, Eric Dane. Uh, the love interest is played by an actor, if you don't know his name or remember him, Cam Gigante. Um, and Julianne Hoff is one of the dancers. Alan Cumming and Stanley Tucci are in it and they like don't share any scenes and I think that's tragic because I think they could have had a lot of fun just like playing off each other and then Peter Gallagher is like Tess Cher's ex-husband ex-husband who like is like the books aren't good we're gonna lose the club blah 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 and um like eventually like things do turn a corner and everything is solved and it's like you know hey, we can keep the burlesque club, even though it's not really a burlesque club anymore. It's just, it's just singing and show tune bits. But, um, yeah, I think the costumes in this movie are, like, the perfect balance of risque and, like, creative, and some of the numbers are good. Like, this is a fun movie. It's not anything amazing at the end of the day, (laughs) and the script is not that great. But I think as far as, like, putting it all out there about what the intentions are, are and intentions are as this being a piece for showcasing Christina Aguilera and then her love for burlesque regardless of it feeling 
not the most fresh kind of thing. Like, this is the kind of movie that maybe could have gotten made in, like, the early 80s, like, post-Saturday Night Fever and Fame and Flashdance. Um, it's that feel, yeah. And it may not work for you at all. But I found a lot to really enjoy about Burlesque, whether it's, you know, a movie that works for you or not is really going to be dependent on, like, how much you can just enjoy it for what it is. Um, I give this three stars on Litterbox. Like, I can't give it four stars. I can't give it higher than three stars. But it's successful. And, like, I had a good time. And I think if I had seen this in the theater back when it came out, I probably would have enjoyed it then. Yeah, it's pretty harmless. It's 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 not that bad. So, burlesque. I uh I do recommend burlesque. Okay. Um moving on, I did see one newer movie in recent times. I went to the theater over this past weekend and I saw the movie starring Idris Elba called Beast. The uh tagline is Fight for Family. A recently widowed man and his two teenage daughters traveled to a game reserve in South Africa. However, their journey of healing soon turns into a fight for survival when a bloodthirsty lion starts to stalk them. So this is directed by Balthazar Kormakur. I know I'm saying that wrong. Um, but he's directed um, a couple movies that are like survivalist kind of things. Um, the movie Everest with uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, which I have not seen. I did see his movie The Dr- Adrift, not The Drift, Adrift with uh, Shailene Woodley where like she gets stuck on a boat and um, her partner like passes away. It's pretty devastating. Um, he's done some other action movies, but Beast um, is somewhat successful. Uh, the main thing about the film is that he's going. Idris Elba's character is going back to South Africa to meet up with his buddy, who um, is played by Charles Charles Copley. Um, he's uh, known this guy for years, and like he introduced his wife to him, and then like his two daughters, Nora and Meredith, are just like you know along for the ride to do whatever they're going to do when they're in Africa. And then, like, they come across, like, some lions. And I will say up front, like, the lions in this movie are visibly not real. Uh, But I do think they are kind of successful as far as lions go for not being real. And, you know, it's obvious you can't necessarily have people getting attacked by lions. They're lions in movies. This isn't the movie Roar. And if you don't know what Roar is, um, look it up. It's really devastating and totally insane and crazy for a movie and its concept and the acting and oh my god it's awful um but beast is like you know a survivalist actiony movie so like they they run into some hardship and um discover that a lot of people have been unfortunately like hurt and killed in this like small village and like they're like what could how could this happen Um, There's some conflict with poachers, and um, yeah, there's some bits that don't work quite well for me with this movie. Um, It's pretty obvious that this is not going to have, like, a very devastating ending. Like, once you get, like, the idea for the story and what happens, I'm not going to tell you everything. But um, (laughs) uh, I think my main complaint with this one is that, unfortunately, it's just not directed quite as well as it could be. I got the sense that they didn't really do a great job of presenting the attacks for the lion and the family and the fright and the scariness of it like so well because at times like there were there were points when the daughters of Idris Elba were like 
not as scared as they could have been. It's like, oh, come on. It's like, I know you don't want to put these children, child actors in trauma and just be like, you know, this terrifying thing, but you could at least say to them, we need you to scream and like be really scared. And that just didn't really happen. It was not adding to like the feeling of it being like a real lion. It just feels kind of fake at that point. But, um, I, uh, I didn't think this was so bad. It just, it's, it could have been better. Like you watch a movie like this and it's like 90 some minutes. You're getting, you're getting what you get. Yeah. Adris Elba possibly going to fight a lion at the end of the movie. (laughs) Um, yeah. I mean, it's rated R it's, it's pretty bloody and there's some scary moments here and there to do with the poachers. Um, it's all right. It's, it's not, it's not quite a bean movie, but it does give you that feel of movies that are just made for like sort of exploitation-ish and gruesomeness, but it's not even that gruesome. I mean, there is a lot of blood in this movie, but it's not gross, gross. Like most of it is like people reacting to like, oh my gosh, I'm hurt. I have to, you know, do this to survive and like help my wound and blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah, Idris Elba, he is luckily a doctor. (laughs) So he gets to help people out whenever they get hurt. Um, yeah, I don't have too much else I want to say about Beast because this is a new movie and I don't want to spoil it, but it does give you exactly what you think it's going to give you cinematically. And I don't think it's terrible, but this, if back in the day, if I was at a video store, I'd be like, yeah, this is a good rental movie because you watch it, you know what you're going to get. But as far as like an experience, it doesn't have too much to offer, unfortunately. But that's Beast. As I said, starring Idris Elba, and Charlotte Copley, 90-some minutes, now playing at a theater near you. It is what it is. But, um, yeah, that's that's all I've seen recently for movies. I've seen some movies recently that I have already seen before that I do not cover in this episode, of course. Um, but you're just going to have to wait for that. Like, end of September, early October, that's when I do the big recap of rewatches and Like I said, we're coming up on Labor Day weekend, and that's when I'll have the commentary track for whatever movie I have chosen for Labor Day, and that's a surprise. But as I said, go to the Cinema 5K Twitter, and you can go ahead and look at some clues, and maybe you'll figure it out before I post it. And if not, don't worry, we're only a couple days away from that. But yeah, as I said, at the beginning of the episode, I'm also at 4,921 films watched, which is awesome. 79 to go. All right, that's it. (laughs) Uh, I'm Mallory. This has been my podcast, Cinema 5000. Thank you so much for listening, and I will let you know what's next next time. Bye.